0: All righty, hello again, everyone, and welcome to it. It is the Derek Hunter podcast for the 13th day of June 2023. Happy Tuesday to you. It is Indictment Day. Yes, the President of the United States, former President of the United States, I should say, is scheduled to be indicted in southern Miami or southern Florida, I guess. Miami's a city. South Florida. Today around, I think it's 3 o'clock. I just had to look. I think it's 3 o'clock. And it's going to be an absolute clown show. I suspect outside. We shall see. We'll talk about it tomorrow on the show. But we'll have a lot to say about this now or today on the show. Anyway, but first, let me tell you about a way to alleviate a lot of guilt and sleepless nights that I'm sure many, if not most of you, are suffering from. Because you sit there and you listen to this show every day and you go, my God, I get world-class entertainment and information that I otherwise could not get. And the analysis that is simply better than anybody else's does it. But I do it for the low, low price of nothing, and I feel riddled with guilt, and that leads to sleepless nights. So, as a public service announcement and a way to alleviate insomnia, I have developed a perfect way for you to alleviate that guilt. It's not a pill, it's not a liquid, it's not something you inject, and it's not a suppository either. You're welcome. It is patreon.com slash Derek Hunter Podcast or Derek Hunter.locals.com, where you can go get uh, extra shows, bonus content, what have you, and all of that. And enter the contest to win autographed books. We'll have a winner of the autographed book at the end of this program uh, for this week. Uh, it's simple, and it only costs you five bucks a month. That's it. And what for five dollars a month? You couldn't even get into a sleep clinic for less than a hundred dollars a month. Or a hundred dollars a day, probably, honestly, I don't know. But for five bucks a month, it takes away all of that guilt. Of course, more is welcome. More is welcome. But five bucks a month is the floor we ask for because that seems pretty pretty inexpensive. So we appreciate the support. Patreon.com slash Derek Hunter Podcast or dot Hunter.locals.com. Your choice. Two places. No waiting. Whatever your conscience allows you to do to support this program and my family is much much appreciated okay and it's my birthday month so now there's no better time to sign up than now all right let's get into this business with the president just a little bit we'll know more tomorrow we'll see i don't i don't ever want to be arraigned so i don't know what my knowledge of arraignments basically begins and ends with what they do on Law & Order. So, yeah, no, I'm not ashamed to admit it. There are many other people who won't tell you that. They they will go on and bluff. They will make it. Look, if you've never been arraigned, and I hope you've never been arraigned, I hope you never get arraigned. You don't really know. But it would... I would like to think that there would be an opportunity for there to be motions, for there to be all sorts of things. It's going to be an absolute mess. Outside, it's going to be a clown show outside. I hope security is ripe and ready i hope that everybody is well behaved but i also suspect and i also know how the world works and i bet you dollars to donuts and i hope i'm wrong but i hope you win the donuts that um there are a whole bunch of left-wing rabble rousers heading down right now to miami not necessarily to start a fight because if you're going down there to start a fight, that would require you to actually throw the first punch. I don't think they want to do that. I think they want to start, they want to inspire a fight. I think that there's going to be an absolute logistical nightmare for the police down there. There's going to be two sides that will absolutely hate each other. Only one side will have that hate justified. The other side is there simply because they want to be, it, look imagine the the media coverage if there's a brawl between antifa and trump supporters imagine the storylines they write themselves it's it's fan fiction it is the 50 shades of gray miami style trump style it'll be a disaster why cuz it doesn't matter look i mean let me put the caveat on it first if Trump supporters are violently attacked, they have every right and you know, not moral obligation to defend themselves. But I don't think that's what's going to happen. You've got to remember that Antifa has been at this game a long time. They've been involved in a lot of things. These are seasoned leftist progressive Democratic operatives. They know what they're doing. They got, I mean, for God's sakes, they got $100 million from BLM under the guise of caring about black lives. Didn't do squat about black lives, about murder, black on black murder. Didn't even, barely even mention it. If it only ever mentioned it, it been complaining that people kept bringing it up. I mean, your organization's called Black Lives Matter, and you're going, why do people always ask me about the black on black crime when, you know, a full, maybe half a dozen. Unarmed black men are killed by police there yeah, that literally happened while you were whining in Chicago, but it doesn't matter. They are exceedingly good at what they do. And at what they do when they can get away with violence, when they can get away with rioting, when they can get away when they recognize strategically if they do something horrible that it will benefit them in one way or another. They do it. But when they recognize that doing so won't benefit them, that there's a chance there'd be blowback or they might get accused of having done what they did, then they won't. Then they become rabble-rousers. They go from violent goons to rabble-rousers. It's it's a skill. It's a skill. Because most people, look, if you know somebody who's just a, a violent jackass, like when they drink and they just become this horrible person who wants to fight everybody they don't really not turn into that person, right? You are either got that in you or you don't have that in you. There aren't very many people who are jovial drunks who then, you know, maybe every 15th time they've had one too many want to fight the bouncer at the bar. It's just not how world the world works. It's not how human beings work. But for some, somehow these leftist goons have managed to be able to come up with a way to control. I mean, I guess it's the hive mind. The hive mind doesn't need to be given orders. The hive mind follows leads. They have their little captains. They have their little precinct captains and block captains. And when they give the, whatever it is, the finger down the side of the nose, like in the sting or the wink and the blink, then they get violent. And if they don't, they do the the left finger along the nostril and they try to get attacked. They try to inspire. And by that I mean they get into people's faces and they start yelling and they start saying incredibly rude things. And they begin to give the impression that they're going to do something. And you can look at somebody who's six foot five. I understand how to intimidate somebody. You can get right into somebody's face and you can walk up to them and make them and you can see them starting to flinch before you get within 10 feet of them just by how you walk over there. You learn the same sort of thing in hockey, but yeah, because you want that winger going into the corners, going "Oh no!" as you come skating in there. It's how you carry yourself. It's how you present yourself. Uh, you may whiff on the check. You may if the puck is dumped away. You don't hit the check. The puck's gone. You can't hit the guy too quick uh, afterwards too long because you'll get a penalty. But these people are expert at getting what they want now you can look if, if antifa attacks it will be blamed on both sides like it was out in california at the school board with the armenians and the uh antifa showed up oh we don't you don't want your kids learn about trans stuff well i'll, I'll fight you then like, oh both sides are out there competing and just being meanies and and fighting and it's like no there was one side out there who actually had business before the school board. Those were the parents, the families, the people who have kids in the school district. And then there were a bunch of professional goons who came out to start a fight. There's a difference there. It was not reported that way. I guarantee you that those Antifa goons do not have kids in that school district. They don't. They are there for the cause. They were. The order was sent out if we had an honest FBI that was worth saving. The FBI would have infiltrated them and there would be arrests right now about the coordination, the funding and the travel for the people who went there. There would be a massive RICO case against Antifa out there in California. But we don't have an honest FBI. We don't have a state government in California that's interested in this at all. They simply don't give a damn. It's a little bit different in southern Florida, but the concept remains the same because the only people that would be able to really have the resources and the wherewithal to look for the communications that's going to end up getting the people down there is the FBI and Christopher Ray might be there in a black mask for all we know. It wouldn't be that surprising. So watch for what happens today. I hope nothing happens today, but there are going to be people out there on the left. I suspect they're not going to go with the straight up violence. At least not at first. I think they're going to try to tr- to inspire violence. Depends on how good of a job the police do at keeping the two sides apart, but what I mean by inspire violence is they're going to do what I just talked about. They're going to try and intimidate people. They're going to try and scare people. They're going to try and inspire someone to take a swing at someone. And if you think this is an insane concept, I had a friend. He wasn't a close friend. He was a friend of a close friend of mine, who was a political operative. He's since passed away. He was an older gentleman. And he used to go to events. Not often. Not often. He'd done it a couple of times. But he also got other people to do it, too. Around the country, and he had some stories oh, he had some great stories. I wish I'd gotten those on tape His job was to either get punched himself or to get someone to punch someone else, meaning, you know get, high, find somebody else to get punched. Like, I'm going to pay you. A, here's a thousand dollars, I need you to be in front, I need you to do what you have to do, whatever you can. There's a thousand dollars, you get another thousand if you get punched. That's a that's a pretty good incentive for things. And you think that doesn't happen in politics. It happens in politics all the time. These Antifa goons will be out there. They will have their people. I don't know if Antifa will do it for money. I think they're dumb enough and crazy enough to be willing to do it for free. But they want something to happen, but they don't want to be the ones who start it. They'll start it if they have to if they think they can benefit from it, but they want something to happen and they want someone else to start it. So be on guard if you're down there. Watch out for that. Have your phone handy. Film anybody you see getting up in people's faces and watch. See, because there's going to be two sides. There's going to be a place where they will come together, probably. Which side approaches the other side? That's what will be interesting to see because the person it's like the Tessio comes to you then he's the one who betrayed you or whatever whoever comes to you to set up the meeting is the one who betrays you whoever really approaches the other side is the one who wants the problem more desperately they want the physical confrontation more desperately and so if antifa marches across the great divide starts moving their barricades yelling and screaming it's because they want to get close They want to get close. They'll throw some things. Throwing things weirdly won't count with the media. And just know that no matter what happens, no matter what happens, even if it's caught on tape, although I still say tape it, it will be blamed on conservatives. Hands down, no questions asked. So the best thing is to not give them any ammunition. Honestly, at something like this, there's no reason to show up. There really is no, zero reason to show up and be there for, well, they're going to have people there, so what? Trump's going to show up, he's probably going to park underneath the building or something, he's going to be ushered into the building, he's not going to be outside, having people out there chanting his name is one thing, if you want to support the former president, do it near the airport, or near Mar-a-Lago, or something like that. Stay as far away from these leftist goons as possible. You deny them the opportunity to get what they want, and they won't get what they want. And then they'll be lost. They won't know what to do. And then, it'd be kind of funny, then the people running around with the cameras trying to interview these people will become the enemy. And maybe they'll get some interesting quotes, and maybe they'll attack them because they will have been uh, so worked up at the prospect of something happening that if nothing happens, well you know, things always kind of happen. Anyway, that's enough about that. I just, I will know more tomorrow. We'll see. I'll be interested to see how quickly either side is looking to move on this thing. One of the things that really just amazes me is how long some of this stuff takes to get to court, to get to trial, to get to motions. I said it yesterday on the show about the case the garbage case up in new york or like well in four months have your motions ready how long you're a lawyer it's your job this is a high profile case how long does it take you to get motions together it shouldn't take you very long to get you should have had the motions you want to file already ready and ready to go this wasn't a surprise he wasn't arrested on the street while having dinner or something this was a telegraphed punch get off your butt and do something i'm wondering if this will be different I'm wondering if this will be different. We shall see. All right. In other news, the president of the United States was, uh, you know, the, I am not one to engage in conspiracy theories or say things for which I have no proof, but Joe Biden had a root canal. How? Did, if you've ever seen Joe Biden's teeth, they are unnaturally white. They are whiter than a brand new toilet. And what goes into it and what comes out of it or whatever is about the same. But they are unnaturally white, unnaturally shaped, unnatural. They're huge. They are very, very fake. So having a root canal on something like that is a bit odd. Not uncommon, but odd. But Joe Biden, on top of the idea of Joe Biden having a root canal, which means somehow tooth was cracked or something, broken, nerve exposed. Joe Biden My guess is he fell. My guess is he fell. It may have happened when he fell at the Air Force Academy and was having tooth problems then or trying to waiting to see if it went away or whatever. But you don't normally unless you're not brushing your teeth, and you should always brush your teeth, and unless you never floss, and you should floss. The odds of you needing a root canal, unless you chew rocks, is like a nervous tick, probably pretty slim. I've had uh, two root canals. They're not fun. But uh, what it both stemmed from my poor dental hygiene when I was a kid. And they're in the back. One's got a gold tooth. The other one, it's a gold cap. It's nothing. It's barely even 10 cents worth of gold, although it fascinates my children and the other side has nothing. This is wide open. But Joe Biden has had extensive dental work done. It's weird that somebody with that kind of extensive dental work at his age would have to my mind anyway. Maybe there's a dentist out there can tell me differently. It's weird for someone in that position to have so such extensive dental work without there being another reason for it. A jolt to the head for example. And that would be my guess, is that when Joe Biden fell, either at the Naval Academy or somewhere else, because if he's fallen as much as we've seen in public, there's no way in God's green earth, he hasn't fallen probably three times as often in private. Why three times as often? Because he's barely in public. And it seems like 10% of the time he's in public, he's falling, stumbling, tripping, whatever. So if he's doing that in public, imagine what the hell he's doing in private. So my suspicion is, without evidence, I'll admit, without evidence, is that Joe Biden fell, hit his mouth. He's been off the grid for a few days. He's been hidden. If he got bruising, or whatever, you want to keep the president out of the way. He's gone through stretches of that over the past few weeks where he's just disappeared. That, he, uh, that that's what happened. That he fell. Either that or he got fresh with another staffer and some lady just belted him and and cracked a tooth. Both are entirely possible. But that doesn't mean that the business of the United States of America has stopped. That just means that the bribery business of the White House has slowed temporarily. As far as the business of the United States of America, I want to talk to you a little bit about the credibility of this administration, if you can call it that. If you can fathom the concept, I don't think most people can fathom the concept because it is such an absurd one when dealing with the president, this president in particular, and this administration. Oh, last week, there was a story in the Wall Street Journal about China setting up a, an observation post a spy hub in Cuba, 90 miles off our coast, right? 90 miles off our coast, kind of a big deal. And uh, John Kirby, who is just a detestable, he's an embarrassment to the Navy, former admiral, spokesman for the Pentagon, uh, I think he's now spokesman for the State Department, he's spokesman for the Pentagon under Obama, a retired admiral he is the mouthpiece he appeared on msnbc last thursday with andrea mitchell and he was asked about this wall street journal story because you know communist china setting up a spy satellite spy center 90 miles to our south is a bit of a big deal. I want you to listen to this exchange and listen to Kirby's answer. Um, Andrea Mitchell's questions are pretty, pretty direct. And there's no ambiguity or wiggle room in John Kirby's answer whatsoever. He gets two bites at the apple. China and Cuba have now reached a secret agreement, we're told. For China to establish an electronic facility on the island, which would allow Chinese intelligence services to scoop up electronic communications throughout the southeastern U.S., what is your reaction to this?
1: Uh, look, I've seen that press report. Um, it, it's not accurate. Uh, what I can tell you is that uh, we, we have been concerned since day one of this administration about uh, China's influence activities uh, around the world, uh, certainly in this hemisphere and in this region. Uh, we're watching this very, very closely, uh, and we will, and we have, and will continue uh, to take steps uh, to mitigate any potential threat that those activities might pose so that we can make sure, and we are, we're positive, that we can continue to defend this nation. You're, you're saying it's not accurate that they're planning this I'm seeing I, I, I'm saying we've seen the report uh, uh, th- it's not accurate we're uh, we're focused on making sure that we can mitigate uh, any threats from from China in the region
0: so it's not accurate those reports hey here's a report about China setting up a spy station on Cuba those reports are not accurate now what would you assume from that you would assume that I don't know China wasn't And if you believe these people, uh, what would you assume they're trying to convey? I guess would be a better way to put it. Uh, You would assume that these people are trying to convey the idea that there is, in fact, no Chinese spy base being set up on the island of Cuba. Makes sense. Hey, this is happening. No, it's not. All right. Well, there you go. I guess it's not happening. The next day, Biden administration officials confirmed. (laughs) I guess maybe it wasn't the... uh, the next day, it was two It was Saturday. So Thursday, that was Kirby. Saturday, the stories broke that quote Biden administration confirms China spy base efforts in Cuba calls it quote ongoing issue. Now, that's a huge country That's a lie. That's a lie. John Kirby was fully aware of the truth at the time that he spoke. And he chose to speak something that was not, in fact, the truth. And so he was at the White House today, and he was asked about this. And it's quite a, my God, it is one of those moments where you're just sitting there. You're going, this is what the meaning of the word is, is. This is Weasley as it gets. You realize that the entirety of the Democratic Party, including so-called... Military officials who are supposed to be of the highest of integrity are not, in fact, anything of the sort, are not, in fact, anything of the sort. In fact, really, if you talk to military people, you recognize that, you know, the enlisted people, the people who do the actual work, those are the people who deserve your respect. The leadership, by and large, got there because they kissed the correct butt cheeks that's what that's how you you don't get to be a general because people looked around and said man that guy really deserves to be a general he's done everything is just no it's because you kiss ass that's just how it happens you kiss politicians asses you kiss the other generals asses you kiss the brass you kiss the white house you just pucker up you play the game you kiss the defense department you kiss the defense contractors The defense contractors, you don't think they have a say over who gets promoted. Uh, You haven't been paying attention. So Kirby was then confronted by a weirdly not horribly upset media. If a Republican had done anything of the sort, flat out, blatantly, and obviously, and unrepentantly lied to them, That would be the end of it. You'd never hear the end of it from these leftists in the media going, well, the spokesman, we can't trust the spokesman. Anyway, this person has lied in the past. They've got a history of lying. They've got a history of lying, history of lying. It would be their epithet. It would be written on their gravestone. Because it's John Kirby, because it's a Democrat in good standing, you can get this exchange where he says, "We we were as forthcoming as we should have been about a story that had already broken, remember, a story that had already been reported, it had already broken, and it wasn't about something that was going to happen in the future, but it was about something that already happened. See, the new story is that this thing exists now, not that they're working together to try and create one. Here's John Kirby Unrepentantly saying, "Who gives a damn? Shut your mouth. Do what you're told." And
1: can you just explain why you didn't confirm all of this when it was first reported last week? You said it was inaccurate, but what was inaccurate seemed to basically be the tents that they, you know, weren't going to establish, but had already established this facility. Why wait till Saturday to, to, to put this out there? I'm actually really glad you asked that question. Um, uh, I can tell you that that uh, we were as forthcoming as we should have been uh, at the time the first stories appeared. Um, there is uh, The the sensitive nature of this information is such that we just simply couldn't go into more detail even before the first story appeared uh, to try to better inform that reporting. That's how sensitive this stuff is. We just couldn't be more detailed Um, And then after the first stories appeared, um, we worked very, very hard, as expeditiously as we could with uh, the intelligence community to try to get some context downgraded so that we could provide it over the weekend, and we did that. But we were as forthcoming as we should have been, given the nature of this information.
0: I absolutely love it. We were as forthcoming as we should have been. You people don't deserve the truth. You American people we are in charge here. We'll tell you what is necessary for you to know. And even when you've gotten us on something, we don't care. We'll lie and deny and deny until we can no longer lie and deny. And then we will come out and say, it. I was as forthcoming as we should have been. Try pulling that on your wife or husband. Honey, where were you? I was just, you know, down the street, knitting circle. And then turns out you're down at the Chippendales or the strip club. Wait a second. Well, you know, you lied to me. No, 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 no. I was as forthcoming as I should have been with you because I knew you would have been upset had you known that I had had a nubile 19-year-old grinding on me. And there was no reason really to get you that upset. And so I was as forthcoming as I should have been. It was doing it for your own good, really. Try that at home. Let me know how that works out. So what was kind of funny is Kirby was then asked, this might be one of my favorite exchanges. It's only six seconds long because it um, it encapsulates the leftist mindset beautifully. You've just been caught in a lie, an unambiguous lie. You just used the Weasley phrase. We were as forthcoming as we should have been, and you you're still sitting there, and you just you had this stink of gross around you. And some reporter says, "Well, you know, you said this story was inaccurate. You're not admitting that you lied or anything, but what what was inaccurate? Will you will you characterize what was inaccurate?" And John Kirby tells the truth in this with a one word answer. Are you able to characterize at all what about the initial Wall Street Journal report was inaccurate? No. <laughs> Can you characterize what uh, was inaccurate? No. No, you. you there was no follow up really. It should have been. So you can't characterize it, or you won't characterize it. Like I, I want to make sure like, you can't characterize it because you're just so full of crap, or you won't characterize it because you're so full of crap and you don't care. <laughs> I just love it. Will you care? Nah, no. Moving on. And dutifully, after having been lied to by this administration, in unambiguous terms, the media moved on. It's really bizarre. Watch, oh, wait a second. Hey, wait a second. You lied to me. Yeah, I did. So what? Uh, nothing, nothing, nothing. I just, hey, I understand you got to lie to me sometimes. It's for my own good. And so we'll let that slide, right? We'll just, it's, we're all cool. We're all cool. You're still coming to my party on Saturday, right, Kirby? You're going to bring Corinne Jean-Pierre? She's historic. We've got to get her there. God, it is amazing how these people get away with this crap. And speaking of getting away with this crap, I want to play you a little exchange. From the former governor of Michigan, now the current Secretary of Energy. She has no qualifications to be... Secretary of Energy, it doesn't really matter. It's just that she was attractive. So the media loved her. Chris Matthews used to crush on her, her name's Jennifer Granholm. She was terrible. She was a two-term governor of Michigan, and she had run the state so far into the ground that Rick Snyder had to come in and turn it around. But her economy was so bad, so bad that she had to go out, the former governor of Michigan had to go and get a teaching job in California. None, it was so bad that none of the colleges or universities in Michigan, and there are plenty, offered her a job. She went out to California. Or she just hates the state, wanted to get out of there. It's kind of funny. But because it was Michigan, she was given energy, now, if you can't make that connection, you're not alone. It makes no sense. She had no knowledge base for this, except that maybe the Biden administration wants to push electric vehicles. But again, she wasn't an auto executive. She knew nothing about the auto industry, still knows nothing about the auto industry. But now she oversees the electric car industry and is kind of getting rich off of it, you know? Kind of getting rich off of it. We'll get to that in a second. But it is telling that uh, about this. I want you to listen to this because what you're about to hear is perjury. Perjury by the Secretary of Energy. She is about to deny that she owns any individual stock. She does, in fact, own individual stock. She's about to, you're about to hear this. This is from, I believe, May of last year. You're about to hear her deny it under oath. Under oath. Remember that? That's a little thing we call perjury, last I checked. And uh, she will get away with it. She will get away with it. She held stock in companies over which she saw government decisions and knew of government decisions that would influence her stock in a positive way and she'll get away with it meaning she used her position she got rich now she did it under the guise of her husband owning the stock which is either she's got the worst marriage in all of history or there's they talk listen to this exchange first just so you know what perjury sounds like. So you know what perjury that will never be prosecuted sounds like.
2: Let me ask you about some disturbing ethics reports related to your department. This is from the Wall Street Journal. U.S. ethics officials in recent years have warned one-third of the Energy Department's senior officials own stock related to the agency's work. More than 130 officials in the Energy Department collectively reported about 2,700 trades of shares, bonds, and options in companies that ethics officers labeled as related to the agency's work. Do you own individual stocks, Madam Secretary?
1: No, I'm invested in mutual funds.
2: Good. Um, So this report from CNBC last year that said that you violated stock disclosure law nine times, that's not accurate?
1: Um, I did fail to... um, um, file a report in my first year that I thought was supposed to be filed at the end of the year and had to have been filed three months earlier. So I was late. That was a...
2: And this was, you don't own any individual stock now, so maybe you did when you first came and you converted them to mutual funds.
1: This was, yeah, it totally was the sale of what I had had because I'm not uh, owning
0: individual stocks. Hey, she doesn't own any individual stocks. It's all in mutual funds, man. She doesn't even pay attention to that sort of thing. Money, pish-posh, she doesn't care about money. She's made millions since she left the governor's mansion because liberals take care of their own. Well, a report in the Washington Free Beacon casts a little bit of doubt on what she says there. As a matter of fact, it points out how she lies. The headline, Energy Secretary's Husband Held Stock in Ford as Admin Improves Billions in Electric Vehicle Subsidies. Huh. What? Energy Secretary Jennifer Granholm's husband held stock in Ford as the Biden administration Promoted the company and approved electric vehicle subsidies worth hundreds of billions of dollars, Granholm disclosed in a letter. Long after, of course. Oh, my goodness, I just discovered that I've been stealing all this money all these times. The Biden appointee on Friday wrote the Senate Energy and Natural Resources Committee to inform members of the financial holdings. When Granholm submitted her financial disclosures in 2021 and 2022, she acknowledged in the letter she failed to report that her husband owned thousands of dollars worth of stock, a, a mistake she called, quote, an accidental omission. Hmm. Thousands of dollars. Thousands, how many? Thousand? Had Granholm disclosed the stock, it almost certainly would have prompted a conflict of interest accusations. Both Granholm and President Joe Biden have promoted Ford's electric car fleet with Granholm last year saying that the company's electric Mustang is cool. Granholm's husband also held stock in the company as the Biden administration greenlit hundreds of billions of dollars in electric vehicle subsidies through the Inflation Reduction Act, subsidies that Ford plans to take advantage of through its battery factories and electric car sales. In April, meanwhile, Granholm tapped Ford lobbyist Christopher Smith to serve on her uh, to serve on her secretary of energy advisory board the washington free beacon reported well isn't that interesting what you just heard was perjury but it was done by a democrat so it doesn't really count it's not it's like Cheating, Bill Clinton. Yeah, he cheats on Hillary, but it's not really cheating. It's Bill Clinton. I mean, come on. What do you expect? It's a Democrat. What do you expect when Democrats are hypocrites? Democrats benefit. Those Democrats benefit. And what's amazing to me about all of this is you get it's it's the average Democrat, the grunt, the foot soldier, the voter. They either don't know or don't care. There's a whole bunch of them that don't know. But the ones who do know don't seem to really care all that much. That these people are getting filthy rich. That Nancy Pelosi can be worth hundreds of millions of dollars suddenly after public service. Like How is that even possible? Well, uh, she's really good at public service. No, she's not. She's nothing special. She's actually a pretty bad person. But, okay, um, why don't you care that Bernie Sanders writes a book about it's okay to be pissed off at capitalism? And make a fortune off of it. Make several million dollars off. Why doesn't that bother these people? I don't know why it doesn't bother these people, to be honest with you. See, when a conservative is out as a hypocrite, oh, family values, raising children, and then it turns out that they're stepping out on their spouse and they abandon the family or whatever. We kind of throw them under the bus. We're done with them. 'Cause their hypocrisy damages the causes that they advocate for. There's no similar repercussions for violating the the causes that Democrats advocate for. They're wildly anti-capitalist. Well what are they going to do? Send Antifa after Jennifer Granholm or send Antifa after Bernie Sanders. Antifa is rich. <laughs> Not the, the organization raises a bunch of money. People are funding that organization. Rich people are funding that organization. Rich leftists who benefit from that, the actions of that organization it. It's a bunch of, a lot of it is a bunch of trust fund babies who never really have to work. You sit there and you go, how the hell can this person be outside of a courthouse in Florida on a Tuesday morning or Tuesday afternoon? How is that even, work? don't they work? No, they don't. Well, they do. This is their job. This is it. They engage in capitalism. Well, okay, they don't engage in capitalism. They benefit immeasurably from capitalism. But they don't really give a damn. They don't have to actually work for it. They get it from mommy and daddy, who never really loved them and always felt kind of guilty about that. And so they just set them up with money so they don't have to work. And they're going, oh, I'm going to show mommy and daddy. And they fall down the left wing rabbit hole. The next thing you know, they're. Punching a cop somewhere in the name of justice for George Floyd. Oh, yes, St. George Floyd. And so you watch it and you go, how is it that these people don't care? I get that the trust fund baby isn't going to care. But what about the union guy? The union guy who saw some of his union brethren fired because they... The Biden administration ended the Keystone Pipeline. How can they say, you know what? Yeah, he screwed them over, but he didn't screw us over. Did he have a reason to? Did he have an opportunity to? Somebody who's willing to screw you, your your brethren over, I wouldn't give him a chance to screw me over, right? I wouldn't count on them. I wouldn't put myself in a position to be dependent upon them. But it happens all the time. Liberals benefit wildly from their hypocrisy. Back to the Washington Free Beacon story: Had Granholm disclose? Uh, this is far from the first time the Biden administration has promoted a company Granholm stands to profit from. Biden and other top administration officials repeatedly showcased Proterra an electric bus company that once counted Granholm as a member of its board of directors and that she held a significant amount of stock in. Granholm eventually sold her 240,000 Proterra shares in May of 2021, earning a cool $1.6 million. That's a sweetheart deal. Now, the real question isn't, oh my God, they gave... That isn't, she waited and made money off of this. It's why did she have 240,000 Proterra shares? Why did she have ultimately $1.6 million worth of stock in this company? And that goes back to why in the hell was she on the board of directors of a company that makes electric buses? As I stated at the beginning, she has no significant or important knowledge on the subject. Of electric vehicles at all. As governor of Michigan, you might think, well, she knows the auto industry. No, she doesn't know the auto industry. She'd gone on to become a law professor out at UC Berkeley. So it wasn't even like she was working in the auto industry. Why in the hell would you put her on there? You put her on there for the same reason you put Hunter Biden on the board of your company, be it Burisma, be it whatever it is, all the other, bo- the board of Amtrak, when he was on the board of Amtrak, the guy probably couldn't even spell train, but he was on the board of Amtrak for a while. Why? Because you wanted to curry favor with his father. You wanted to curry favor with his father. Now, he was on Burisma when Joe Biden was out of office in the ten million million, five five to Joe, five to Hunter. That bribe was sent during the time when Joe Biden had left. It had been negotiated while he was still in office, but it was sent after he'd left office. And you go, well, why the hell? He left office. What can you do for him? Because there was a possibility that Joe Biden was going to re-enter government. There was a possibility, even a probability, that Joe Biden was going to run for president in 2020. And so you give him $5 million to curry favor with him. And you think, $5 million, that's a lot of... It is a lot of money. To normal people like us, to multi-billionaires and billion-dollar international companies, it's nothing. It's a day's operating budget, maybe. So you throw that out there. That's the expense account of the chief executive officer's secretary. So you throw $10 million around on the off chance that Joe runs. If Joe runs... You've got an in already. You've got a favor already assigned to you from them. If he doesn't run, you're out money you didn't notice in the first place. With Jennifer Granholm, she was young. She was born in Canada. She she's born Canadian. She wasn't going to ever be able to be president of the United States. But there was no way the Democratic Party establishment was done with her. She was far too much of a regular on ABC News and on MSNBC for for anybody to look at her and think, well, this is the last, she's just going to go off into the sunset and become a law professor and mind her own business. So if you are a business that is going to rely heavily on federal government subsidies, what do you do? You try and butter up as many people as you can afford. You try and pick them smart and you say, all right, let's get this person on our side Jennifer Granholm will never be president of the United States, but there is every reason in the world to think that Jennifer Granholm will, in fact, one day be a cabinet secretary. It's entirely possible. So let's suck up to her that way. Because, well, Energy, they got really lucky with that. This is the one company, one of the companies we know of. And if you're dealing with electric vehicle subsidies when the administration says the priority of their entire administration is electric vehicles and green energy and all that crap. It doesn't really matter in which department somebody is set. I suppose maybe if she's like Secretary of State, you probably would. Yeah, and then they just push the stuff overseas. There is The government is so gigantic and deals with so much money and has its tentacles into so many different areas that you really can't go wrong if you just get somebody in there doesn't matter where you get somebody in there and you're styling and profiling that's what we're seeing here with Jennifer Granholm that and the perjury there will be no mention of this perjury on the nightly newscast tonight Fox may do something about it but Fox will quickly move on too how can you be so cynical Derek well because I've been around a while I've seen this stuff I've heard this stuff I know how the game is played you watch this crap happen over and over and over again, and sooner or later you detect a pattern. Republicans get away with it. Cabinet secretaries under Republican administrations have to resign in disgrace because they used private government planes to fly to various events. Oh my goodness, can you believe they did that? How they tried to go after Betsy DeVos for using her own freaking plane. She saved the government money. But they went after her for using her own freaking plane tried to get her to resign. It didn't happen. The original Secretary of Health and Human Services—God, oh his name's on the top of my—Tom starts with an H, I think. But uh, they went after him because he flew. He flew private. Oh, it's horrible! It's Tom Price. Tom Price. There. Oh, it's horrible! It's horrible! It's horrible! Pete Buttigieg flies private about half the time. He says, "Well, you know, it's sometimes just easier." and more convenient and actually saves taxpayers money and the media goes all right there you go republicans are going wait a second that wasn't the standard a couple years ago And i said but but he's gay he's gay what if him and chasten want to make out you don't want that on Coach street i don't want that anywhere i don't want anybody making out with anybody on a plane but why is it one standard for him one standard for another well because he's historically bad like i you just watch all of this stuff, and you sit there, and you, you get angry. I understand that anger, and like the anger I, I started off the show talking about. If you're out there at the Trump indictment, and you're, you're angry, I, I get it. I share it. But you got to kind of just, w- Republicans need to win. If you're sick of all of this crap, and everything I talk about, and believe you me, I'm sick of all of it too. You've got one option, and only one option, and that's win in 2024. That's it. It's not have the high road, the moral superiority, or even get down in the mud with them and have a broad It's about the finish line. It is about the finish line. You have got to, we have got to, conservatism, Republicans have got to win. Period. End of story. Or else this stuff will continue. And then Republicans if they win. They've got to actually do something. Okay, I guess there's two parts to it. You got to win, and then you've got to actually do something about it. Republicans are exceedingly good at talking a good game, and then when the chips are down, not doing anything about it. Well, Democrats are exceedingly good at pretending we want to be bipartisan. We want to work together. We're all there is no red America, no blue America. There's only one America, and we all love America. And then on the other side of their mouth, they're going, everybody who doesn't agree with me is a Nazi, is a monster. is just this side of Hitler and needs to be destroyed. You're going, wait a second. What the hell just happened here? What happened to all this kumbaya crap? I'm like, ah, that was, all I needed to do was get in an office. And then when they're, they're in office, they impose their will. All the while, they'll sit there and be punching. You know, got Graham on a headlock, punching her in the face. Going, We're doing... What is in the best interest of grandmas everywhere and we will not stop until we have uh, pleased grandma, until grandmas are taken care of. And you're like, well, why are you punching that grandma? Like, well, I'm not punching this grandma. As they punch the grandma and the rest of the press corps goes, all right, well, he's not punching. If he says he's not punching grandma, he's like, My just giving her a noogie. I don't know. I wasn't looking at the. I was writing things down. So let's just move on to the next thing. It is typical. And sadly, Republicans have had a couple of opportunities under George W. Bush and under Donald Trump to do something about these corruptions, these little corruptions. And uh, that's millions of dollars in government speak. It's it's little corruptions. And they've done nothing about it. Got new leadership. Hopefully we'll have new leadership in the Senate. Hopefully Republicans will retake the Senate. Mitch McConnell can have his glory. I oversaw the retaking back of the Senate. And then he retires. I think this is probably Mitch McConnell's last term. Not he's, He just got reelected, so he's got a couple years left. But after that, we get new leadership in the Senate. We hold the Senate. We hold the House. We hold the White House. or We regain them in that time. Then we can actually affect change, positive change, and do something about these corruptions. Until then, expect a lot of fundraising emails about them, but not a lot. I want, look, how many members of the House of Representatives have you seen on television whining and complaining about things that the Biden administration are doing? We're going to hold hearings. Okay, great. Why aren't you holding hearings every single day? Why aren't you holding hearings in prime time on occasion? Why can't you? I get it. You're not as good at putting on a show as the left is. But for God's sakes, hire me, for crying out loud. If you can't find somebody who knows what they're doing, I know what to do. I can get you a better narrative, a better made-for-television event than the crap that you guys put on. Have your real trial, real hearings during the day, and then you have your made-for-TV events at night. The networks aren't going to carry them. Maybe Fox Newsmax will. And that's a victory in and of itself by exposing that level of hypocrisy. But damn it you got to fight, and you don't need the networks anymore. You live in a world where you're still sucking up to ABC. Meanwhile, ABC doesn't matter as much as it used to. Get out there and fight, and fight smart. God, get in touch with me. I swear to God, I watch you people, and I just go, you can't be this, this bad at it, can you? I have to assume they don't mean it. There's a possibility some of them are just as bad at it, but I have to assume that most of them simply don't mean it when they talk about the things they want to do and the accountability they want to hold and blah, 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 and all that crap. Anyway, speaking of accountability, I want to get this in before it ends. Remember uh, Daniel Penny, the guy who um, is accused of second-degree manslaughter for the fight with the Michael Jackson impersonator? God, they just the guy wasn't a Michael Jackson impersonator. It was, he was a guy who danced around to Michael Jackson songs. Jordan Neely, he danced, he played a boombox and danced around to Michael Jackson songs. That's not a Michael Jackson impersonator. That's an obnoxious guy with a boombox. Well, he's been charged. Daniel Penny has with second degree manslaughter. And it's uh, it's a bad situation. He's a marine. I don't know if he's a former marine. I know. There are no former marines. Everybody always says a former marine. My old boss Conrad Burns was a former marine. He was a marine. There are no former marines. Whenever you refer to him as a former marine, and or said he was a former marine, but then he'd refer to himself as a former marine because you're not currently a marine. I get it. I get it. You're always a marine. Once a marine, always a marine. But in Colloquial speech, you can be a former Marine and you can just kind of let it go. Anyway, Penny has released, with I assume his lawyers, his account of what happened on that day on that subway car. And it is telling that this would be charged. If you want to talk about a political prosecution, that's what's happening to Daniel Penny. If there's any truth to it, and I have not heard anybody do anything but corroborate this story that jordan neely got on the subway car and was threatening people now we are led to believe that he's just this docile little dude he's over six feet tall he's just this docile little dude he's having a little mental health moment a mental health moment is you're sitting there maybe you're crying maybe you're sad maybe you're breathing heavily whatever it is maybe you're sort of maybe you're even hitting yourself maybe you're like uh what is it ellen page hitting yourself before you decide to cut off your genitals but a mental health moment becomes something else when you're running around telling people you're going to kill them and you don't care and you'll happily spend the rest of your life in prison for the act of killing them. That is just a little bit more than a mental health moment. He just having a moment over there. Oh, really? That guy over in France, the the illegal immigrant who stabbed six kids, he just he just had a little mental moment, okay? Can we give him a minute to get his act together? clean the knife and then I'm sure you'll find that he's quite an agreeable human being who deserves a top floor apartment in the Champs-Élysées, right? Am I right? Am I right? No. So listen to this stuff from Daniel Penny.
3: East Village in Manhattan. So I take the subway multiple times a day. In this instance, I was coming from school. I got out of class around 2.15 and I took the, I was at J Street Metro Tech, took the uptown F train, Um, At 2nd Avenue, um, a man came on, stumbled on, he appeared to be on drugs. Um, The doors closed, and he ripped his jacket off and and threw it at the people sitting down to my left. I was listening to music at the time, um, and he was yelling, so I took my headphones out to hear what he was yelling. And the three main threats that he repeated over and over was, I'm going to kill you, I'm prepared to go to jail for life, and I'm willing to die. You know, this is a this was a scary situation, and uh, Mr. Nearly came on. He was he was threatening. He's, he's a, I'm six two, and he was taller than me, so it was. And there's a common misconception that Marines don't get scared. We're actually taught uh, one of our core values is courage, and courage is not the absence of fear, but how you handle fear. And you know, I was scared for myself, but I looked around. I saw women and children. He was yelling in their faces, saying. Saying these threats, I couldn't just sit still. Some people say that I was holding on to Mr. Ely for 15 minutes. This is not true. I mean, between stops is only a couple minutes. So the whole interaction lasted less less than five minutes. Some people say I was trying to choke him to death, which is also not true. I was trying to restrain him. Uh, You can see in the video, there's a clear rise and fall of his chest, indicating that he's breathing. I'm trying to restrain him from him being able to carry out the threats. And then some people say that this is about race, which is absolutely ridiculous. I didn't see a black man threatening passengers. I saw a man threatening passengers, a lot of whom were people of color. A man who helped restrain Mr. Neely was was a person of color. A few days after the incident, I I read in the papers that uh, a woman of color came out and called me a hero. I don't believe that I'm I'm a hero, but uh, she was one of those people that I was trying to protect. We were all scared. Mr. Neely was yelling in these passengers' faces and they looked terrified. Um, The reason why there was no video at the start of the altercation was because people were too afraid getting away from him. And the the videos didn't start until they saw that situation was under control. I knew I had to act, and I acted in a way that would protect the other passengers, protect myself, and protect Mr. Neely. I used this hole to restrain him, and I did this by leaving my hand on top of his head to control his body. You could see in the video, there's a clear rise and fall of his chest indicating that he was still breathing. And I'm calibrating my grip based on, on the force that he's exerting. And um, I just, I, I mean, I was trying to keep him on the ground as, until the police came. I was praying that the police would come and take this, situation under, uh, take this situation over. I didn't want to be put in that situation, but I couldn't just sit still and let, let him carry out these threats.
0: If everything you heard right there is true and there's been really nobody on record except for the goon squad it takes to the streets of New York who were not there, who contradicted that, then what you heard was a description of a hero talking about his heroism. Also a failure of New York City. It's holding him, waiting for the police to come. Well, How long does it take police to come? Well, it takes a while when you're really, really low on police and police are afraid to do their jobs. All that takes a little while, all that adds to it. just wanted you to hear that because in a sane country, this guy would be celebrated. It's a sad thing. Still, it's sad that the guy died. But if he hadn't been restrained by Daniel Penny, who knows if somebody else would have died? Who knows what that guy would have done? It was probably bluster, but can you make that decision should you make that decision are you willing to make that decision on behalf of other people to say he was a yeah he said he was going to kill everybody but he didn't he wasn't going to kill everybody how do you know i just know he wasn't going to kill everybody or anybody but then he does and you didn't do anything about it then what then you're charged with that so yes i wanted you to hear that you can form your own opinion about what was going on there but it's abundantly clear that Daniel Penny did not set out to kill Jordan Neely in any way shape or form and that whatever happened was inspired by the actions of Jordan Neely was he mentally fit at the moment probably not but so what most killers are not if he hadn't killed somebody would it have been okay if he just punched a bunch of people he stabbed a bunch of people. He hit a bunch of people. No, none of it is okay. So keep that in mind when it comes to Daniel Penny. I, the New York uh, prosecutor, they're a bit off more than they can chew. It'll be interesting to see what happens here. If he's smart, he'll drop the case because I can't imagine a jury in New York City going, yes, we must prosecute this guy, this hero who did what we all wished people would do. So. Free Daniel Penny, ladies and gentlemen. All right, that's about enough for today. We'll be back tomorrow with the latest on the indictment and everything. Have yourself an awesome one. Oh, no, wait, I forgot. We've got the contest winner. Let me pull that up just so I know who it is. The contest winner is Penny Green. She's in my ears and in my eyes. Yes, Penny Green. Congratulations, Penny Green. You won. The autographed book by Brian Kilmeade. You have a message from me. Send me your address, and I will get that out to you as quickly as humanly possible. Um, and that means that we have a new contest. A new contest this week. And that is between Ray Lewis, the returning champion, Hall of Famer, and Brad Thor, best selling author. Probably, if there's an author, Hall of Famer, uh, he's definitely going to make it in there. So it's Brad Thor Autograph Book, The Apostle versus Ray Lewis. I feel like going on. Check it out under the contest at patreon.com slash Derek Hunter Podcast or DerekHunterLocals.com. Thank you for uh, listening. We'll be back tomorrow. Have a great one.